So if you talk to 10 different people and ask them this question, you probably get 10 different answers. Everyone thinks it's differently. If you want my two cents, a thousand words should be the absolute minimum. You really can't go as in-depth as you need to in under a thousand words most of the time. I'm going to give you a caveat in a few minutes, but most of the time. But, but pre preferably, it should be at least 2,000 words. If you look at blog posts that rank on page one, you will generally speaking find that they are at least 2,000 words, but often much longer. And I'll tell you recently, I've been writing posts that are three to 7,000 words. Hi, I'm Becca Klein, blogger, business owner, and CEO. But you don't have to look too far back to see a time when I was seriously struggling to create content, keep up on social media, grow my email list, and do all of the other thousand and one things we bloggers have to do. Sure, I still make mistakes, but I've managed to move past them and grow the thriving business I have today. A business that helps people and gives me the freedom to step away from my desk. I created the Blog to Biz Show to help bloggers like you run blogs they love and blogs that make them a second income. I want to give you concrete, actionable steps that you can take today to grow your little blog into something mighty. So if you're a blogger, or even if you want to be a blogger, you are in the right place, my friend. So join me now for the Blog to Biz Show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blog and Biz Show. I'm your host, Becca Klein. So when I was coming up with the topic for today's episode, I wanted to do something on the real fundamentals. Last week's episode was great, and a lot of you have downloaded it. Thank you. But it was on evergreen webinar funnels, which are very much an advanced strategy for sure. So this week, we're talking about something much more fundamental, how to write a blog post. And more specifically, I'm going to give you a list of elements that need to go into every single blog post so that your readers will love it and Google will love it, the two most important things for any blog post. And I've counted 12 of these elements, so we're going to go through them. And I know that's a lot. So what I did for you, I went ahead and created a freebie just for this episode, and it's a blog post checklist that includes everything we're going to talk about today and a few other details too. Uh, it'll be fillable, so you can check it right off for every blog post, and that will be available um, on my show notes page, which will be beccacline.co slash 003, and you can grab that totally free. Well, let's get into this. Element number one, length and thoroughness of the blog post. So let's talk about length first. So I read a Grammarly study that was very well done. I'll link to it in the show notes. And according to them, the ideal SEO length is 1,760 words to 2,400 words. So if you talk to 10 different people and ask them this question, you probably get 10 different answers. Everyone thinks it's differently. If you want my two cents, a thousand words should be the absolute minimum. You really can't go as in-depth as you need to in under a thousand words most of the time. I'm going to give you a caveat in a few minutes, but most of the time. But, but preferably, it should be at least 2,000 words. If you look at blog posts that rank on page one, you will generally speaking find that they are at least 2,000 words, but often much longer. And I'll tell you recently, I've been writing posts that are three to 7,000 words. Now, I don't do that every week. I have some sort of blog posts up there. So if you're going to be as thorough as you need to be, they're going to end up being long. And thoroughness is very important. Now, like when I first started blogging, I would write a blog post about like how to improve your Instagram profile. And it would be like 300 words long with like four tips and that was it. Someone is coming to your blog post because they want to solve a problem. So the odds that they only want to solve one very specific part of the problem are pretty low. So you need to be thorough. You need to think about, okay, if someone wants to, has a question about X, what else are they going to have questions about? 
you know, you can do some introductory stuff. Like, what is X? Why do we use X? What, who is X for? What are the benefits of X? What are the downsides, the pros, the cons? What do I think of it? What does so-and-so think of it? There's, there's a lot of questions that you want to answer. So it's very easy to get to this length of post when you're doing it that thoroughly. And I highly recommend both for your readers and for SEO that you do that. One caveat from my own blog, because I feel like I'm lying if I don't tell you this, um, the post that brings by far the most Google traffic to my blog currently is a 300 word blog post. It was one of my first on my new blog. And at the time I was using the Dibby theme. I don't need more, but I was then. And I was trying to upload a custom font and I got this particular error message and it was very, very frustrating. And I spent a long time in Google trying to figure out how to get around this. And there weren't a lot of articles on it. Uh, and I finally figured it out that if you installed a certain plugin and played with, set it up in this way, that it would solve the problem. So I was like, all right, I'll write this blog post because no one else seems to have, have done so. So I did and I wrote the post. And for that to be a 3,000 word post, it was just r ridiculous. Like the answer is install this plugin, click these three things, and that's it. So it would have been impossible for me to make that a long post. But I was like, okay, I'll just put it out there. Well, long story short, a few months later, it is ranking on page one. And apparently a lot of people have this problem with Divi because it gets, like I said, I get more traffic to that post than any other post in my blog, <laughs> which I don't like because I have much better posts and like posts with affiliate links and posts with all kind of stuff. But people like this tiny little post. So that's my caveat. I'm not saying that, that the length is like an absolute 100% thing you must do every time. Sometimes short little blog posts like that will actually work. But generally speaking, when you're talking about a bigger topic, it should be long and thorough. Okay, so element number two, an SEO plugin plus keyword research. So let's start with keyword research. You always, 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 when you start writing a blog post, need to do your keyword research because you need to find out what people are searching for in Google about this topic because you want to rank on page one when someone searches for blah, blah, blah. So you want to look for low competition, high volume keywords. So for, for example, for me, I blog about blogging, so a very obvious keyword would, of course, be how to start a blog, and that would be a great keyword for me, but if you Google that right now and you look on page one, all of the sites are very big sites with domain authorities in, like, the 60s and 70s and 80s. Someone like me with just a blog is not going to rank on page one, even if I write, like, the best guide to starting a blog in the history of time which I actually am working on right now. But so how to start a blog would actually not be a great keyword for me because there's so much competition that no matter what I do, I'm not going to get on page one. So you want to look for, for keywords with lower competition, which means that they're not going to get as much traffic like those really popular words, but you still want to get some with some traffic. So low competition, high volume keywords, that's what you're looking for. The tool that I recently started using and absolutely love for this is called Rank IQ. I'll link to it in the show notes, beccaclimb.co slash 003. It's a really unique tool. I'm very glad that I stumbled upon it. Um, it has lists of keywords on tons and tons and tons of topics. Your blog topic is most likely on their list. And if it's not, you can submit it to them and they'll put it on there. And you can also copy paste your blog post into the tool and it'll analyze it and give it a score. And it gives you a really long list of keywords to put in there that you never would have thought of that you can put in once, twice, three times into the post to really improve its ranking. 
It also helps you find good long tail keywords to create blog posts on. You can select what you know category, what you want to talk about, and it'll give you a good list of long tail keywords that is just full of blog post ideas for you. So I'll link to that in the show notes, beccaklein.co slash 003, but I highly, highly, highly recommend it. As for SEO plugins, most people use Yoast. I actually prefer Rank Math. It was recommended to me by my SEO consultant and who's brilliant. And um, so I tried it out and I like it so much better than Yoast for two main reasons. One is that Yoast only lets you optimize for one keyword, at least with the free version. Rank Math lets you optimize for five. So that's a big deal. Second, Yoast, the Yoast interface is all the way at the bottom underneath your blog post. So if you want to be checking, like, am I doing these things right? You have to scroll all the way down and then all the way back up. Rank Math, on the other hand, it has its interface on the right-hand side of the screen. So like, I can always see my five keywords as I'm typing, which makes me put them in more. And it's very easy to, to check, am I checking up the boxes? So if you haven't heard of these plugins and you don't know what they do, Basically, you they analyze your blog posts and they tell you whether or not you're checking off the boxes in a, basically a checklist. And so they'll be like, have you used your keyword in enough headings? Have you used your keyword in the alt text of images? Is your keyword in the URL? Is your post over 1,000 words? Stuff like that. And as you write, it'll go from red to yellow to green. Um, so you can see that you're improving and it oftentimes reminds me like, oh yeah, I didn't use it in the headings. I should go re rework a few of those headings. So I highly recommend that you have one of the two, but again, I would vote for Rank Math over Yoast for sure. And Rank Math um, has a, a paid version, but they also have a free version. So you can try it out on the free version and see if you want to upgrade. You might not even. Um, I've heard the free version is totally fine. So I will link to that at, on the show notes. Okay, so number three, you should have a catchy headline or blog post title, whatever you want to call it. This is more important than you might think. So I uh, found an article by bettermarketing.pub. I will link to it in the, in the show notes. And it gave three stats. One, the average web visitor reads only six words of a headline. Two, the average time spent reading a blog article is 15 seconds. That's not good. Three, if a reader sticks around past 15 seconds, they'll likely stay for seven minutes. So you can see how important it is for your headline to be short and catchy and make them stay for those 15 seconds so that they'll stay for the seven minutes. So the headline, it's the first thing they're going to see. It's the biggest, boldest text on the page. It needs to draw them in right away. So how can you write a catchy headline? You can use numbers. People really like numbered, like the 10 best, blah, blah, blah. You can use emotional words. You can use power words. Power words are like best, the, the 10 best Instagram apps or, you know, whatever. Um, you don't want to make it too long because people aren't going to read like a two sentence headline. And there's actually a really cool tool that you can use to analyze your headline on all the stuff I just talked about and many others. It's called the co-schedule headline analyzer. I'll link to it in the show notes. And you copy paste your headline in the one you've already come up with. And it gives you a headline score of one, one through 100 and an SEO score. And it analyzes things like word balance, word count, character count, headline type, reading grade level, sentiment, clarity, and skimmability. If you don't know what all those things mean, that's okay. They explain it in the analyzer. And uh, I use it. They actually just came out with a WordPress plugin, um, which I was, I was happy to install on my site because now I can just do it right in, in the blog post as I'm writing it. And they always have good suggestions. My first draft headline is never, you know, 100 out of 100. 
maybe once actually, but, um, so it's, it's a very helpful tool and I will link to it in the show notes if you want to check it out. Element number four, a table of contents. Now you don't always need to have one. Um, if you have a very short article, like my little Divi article that doesn't need a table of contents, but longer posts do. Now some readers won't care and they'll just scroll right, right by it. But for some people, it's going to be really useful because they know they want something specific so they can read the table of contents and it will then link to that specific part of the blog post. So the plugin I like for this is called Lucky WP Table of Contents. I'll link to it in the show notes. It is free. Um, I like it for a few reasons. It automatically adds itself into every blog post so I don't have to do anything, although I can turn it off if I want to, but it'll automatically be on. You can customize all the colors to match your brand. You can, um, by default, it picks up every heading, like that's how it populates the table of contents. But if there's some heading that you don't want in there for some reason, you can customize it and take it out. Um, and if it, ha it has the option for the, the viewer to hide it, there's like an X button. So if it's annoying someone, they can make it go away. That's good. And I just find it very easy to use. I like the way it looks on my blog post. So that's the plugin I would recommend. Um, it's free and I will link to it. Element number five, headings. When I say headings, I'm talking about H2, H3, H4. So here's a quote from HubSpot. And I'll, I'll link to this article. It, they said, quote, headers help Google's web crawlers understand your blog post and the sections within it. Think of the crawlers as readers who are skimming your blog post. They want an overview of what your article will cover. That's your H1. Then your H2s, H3s, H4s break down the subtopics within the piece. And I think that quote sums it up very well. Google relies on your headings to tell them what your blog post is about. And if it doesn't know what your blog post is about, it can't rank you because where would it rank you? It doesn't know what your post is talking about. There's no one sitting at Google reading your blog post. So headings are very, very important. Now, when I say headings, I mean that you need to code it as an H2, H3 heading. You can't just make it bold and big and like that it will look like a heading, but it's not a real heading. It needs to be coded as a heading. But if that sounds scary, it's not. In WordPress, you just select a drop-down button, highlight the text, hit H2, and it's an H2. So you don't actually have to worry about any code. But it is, in on the inside, it is being coded. Beyond Google, they're also important for your readers because they help them navigate the article. Um, as we've talked about before on the show, readers skim and scan when they read online. We just read on a computer screen differently than a book. I don't really know why, but we do. So headings help readers navigate, um, and you know that's that's just helpful. So headings help people navigate, um, see if a particular part of the blog post is of, of interest to them, um, and just helps them stay on the page longer when they're skimming. A heading will grab their eye because it's bigger, bolder. Now, some people make their headings a different color. Um, that's totally optional. You don't have to, um, but you know you can if you want. And you can try it out. For me. My H1 and H2s are regular black. My H3s are one of my brand colors, which I'm experimenting with. I'm not sure I love it. I'll probably change it by the time you hear this episode. Um, but that's an option. Now I want to take a quick break for our sponsor. Our sponsor this week is my signature course, Breaking the Blogging. Breaking the Blogging is an all-in-one comprehensive course that teaches new bloggers how to start a blog and how to grow it into a profitable business. Profitable being the key word there. And I've got lots of success stories that I could read you, but I actually just had a testimonial come in just this morning and I want to share it with you guys because I loved it so much. So my student Ellen said, 
the BIB, Breaking and Blogging, course has given me another avenue to promote my writing skills, help others, and create an avenue to make money so I can eventually quit my 12 shift job. I'm thankful for everything I learned in an easy-to-understand format with the resources galore. You are never alone when you take this course. Anyone can do this, really. If you have an idea, take it to the next level with BIB. I loved when I read this from Ellen. I am so happy that my, that my content is resonating that way, and I would love to have you guys check out the course. So if you're interested, you should check out my free masterclass called the Profitable Blogger Framework, and I'll tell you about BIB at the end of the masterclass. You can register for that masterclass for free at beccaklein.co slash masterclass. I'll link to it in the show notes. And there are times every day all week. All right, now back to the show. Element number six, short paragraphs. Paragraphs in a blog post should be one to three sentences. I know that's not what you learned in like eighth grade English. It's not what I learned either. But writing an eighth grade English essay is different than writing a blog post. As we, as we just talked about, and I won't go into detail on it again, but people skim and scan online, and when, they, when the eye sees a big block of text with like a paragraph with 10 sentences in it, it just skims right over. Your brain is just like, nope, not going to deal with that. So it's very important to have short paragraphs. Element seven, images. Now, depending on what you're blogging about, you might have different kinds of images. You might have stock photos. You might have your own photos. You might have screenshots, which I, I do a lot. Um, for me, I'm writing about blogging topics. So I'm often talking about like, here's how you do such and such in lead pages. So I'll take a screenshot so they can see what I'm talking about. I never have my own photos because what would they possibly be of? Um, but I, I do always have images in my post as either stack photos or, or screenshots. So if you're something like a food blogger or a travel blogger, you probably would want to have your own photos. So you want to make sure that, that they're high quality. And I don't mean that you need to go out and buy like a $3,000 camera, but you know, you can use your phone, I'm sure, but just make sure that you kind of know how to use the basic features so that it's not fuzzy, it's not blurry, it's not, you know, showing extra stuff, your thumb's not in the way, um, because people do really see these photos. And as a third option, you can do stack photos. Um, you could find stack photos that are on topic for what you're talking about. I sometimes use them um, when I don't even need them, but in a post where I don't actually need an image, like a screenshot to explain anything, I still like to have a couple images in there just to like catch the eye, spread it out. So I'll just go find a stock photo of like, you know, someone typing or a pretty desk or something that looks kind of blog related and just put it in there. So that's always an option. My absolute two favorite places to get stock photos are Ivory Mix and Social Curator. Those are both stock photo membership sites. Um, Ivory Mix also has Canva templates, Instagram captions, tons of workshops. It's my favorite site. The content on there is incredibly valuable. Um, so I will link to all those in the show notes. If you're looking for free photos, um, I like the, website, the websites Pexels and Unsplash, and those are totally free. Again, I'll link to them. And another one I like is Deposit Photos, which is not free. You pay. But a couple times a year, the company AppSumo puts out a deal where you get 100 deposit photos, stock photos for $49. And it's like a big thing the week that this happens. You'll get emailed about it from every blogger newsletter that, that you subscribe to because they're all affiliates for it. And like everyone stocks up on their stock photos during this week. It's kind of funny. Um, but they, you know, and I, of course, take part in this as well. And they do have great stock photos and tons and tons and tons of them. So if you can uh, snag that AppSumo deal, I have no idea when the next one is going down. Uh, there just was one recently. 
Um, but if you can, I would recommend spending the 49 to get 100 photos because 100 photos are going to last you a long time. Two more little points about images. One is to make sure to fill in the alt text for two reasons. One is that visually impaired people use screen readers to read uh, online. And a screen reader can't read an image, obviously. So it uses the alt text of the image to describe the photo. So if you didn't put any alt text in there, or if it doesn't describe the photo, then that visually impaired person has no idea what your photo is. So you need to describe just a clear description of what the photo is. A woman sitting at a white desk typing on a laptop. Secondarily, alt text and having keywords in the alt text is a point for SEO that Google does look at. So if you can naturally um, fit in one or more of your keywords into the alt text, you should do that. It will help your SEO. But the most important thing is to cl clearly describe the photo for sure. And then last point, you should always, always, always compress your images before you upload them to your site. Site speed is a very important factor in SEO and big images will really, really slow down a site as I've learned the hard way. So there's a, um, a plugin called Short Pixel, which I'll link to in the show notes back at climb.co slash 003. And every single time you upload a photo to your site, it will automatically compress it. And when I say compress, I don't mean that it makes it smaller or it makes it blurry or anything. It just makes the file size smaller. And it will also um, go back in time. So if you install it today and you already have 500 photos uploaded, it will go back, go back through all those 500 photos and compress them now. So short pixel is one that I recommend highly to every blogger. All right, element number eight, what I'm gonna call special styling. And we're talking about like bold italics. You can make, um, in, if you're on WordPress anyway, you can highlight quotes and make them stand out. Every theme will have like a certain design for quotes. So they'll have a different font or they'll be really big or they'll have like a big quotation mark. It totally depends on the theme. But again, it makes people stop scanning and like look at the, at the page. You can also look into having like special blocks, um, like Gut Gutenberg blocks or cadence blocks. Um, you can do, I'm sure you've seen these, like a little call out box that's like maybe blue or yellow or something to emphasize a point or to like, I use them if I kind of got, got like a side note um, that I want to talk about for just like two or three sentences. I use those boxes because it's a visual element that stops the eye from reading and it looks really nice in a blog post. So um, there are lots of different ones you can use for this. You can use Cadence Blocks, which is a really great plugin. I use it on my site. Um, Stackable is another one that has some really nice blocks. And there are also a couple of Gutenberg Blocks plugins that I will link to in the show notes. Okay, number nine, links. And you need two kinds of links, inbound links and outbound links. So inbound links are links that are linking to your own site. In this case, to your other blog posts. Google really likes it when your blog posts are all interlinked. So you should have tons of links to other blog posts in all your posts so they're just links flying everywhere. Um, it helps your SEO. So you can do this right in the text of your blog post. If you're talking about something that reminds you of a previous post you wrote, you can totally link, link to that. Um, I also like to, at the end of every blog post, I put an H3 heading and I say, here's some more posts on X topic, whatever I'm writing about. And then I do a bullet points where I list four to six other blog posts on my site that are somehow connected to what I'm talking about in this blog post. So that's an easy way to get them in. A really, really amazing tool that I'm so glad I have is called Link Whisper. It's a plugin. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. And what it does is it scans all your blog posts and it makes suggestions of where you can add these links. So 
it's really hard when you've got tons and tons of blog posts and you're writing a new one. Your brain isn't really able to constantly be analyzing like, oh, could I link to something here? Could I link to something here? So with Link Whisper, it'll make the suggestion. And if you want to do it, you just check a box and it'll do it for you. It's really nice. Now, it's not 100% accurate. Some of the things it wants me to do make no sense at all. But that's fine. You just delete those ones. But it, actually, it does make some ones that make sense. And I for sure interlink my blog posts much, much more since I got this plugin. It's one that I really, really recommend. You also need outbound links, which are links to any other site that is not yours. Specifically, you should link to authority sites, which are sites that are ranking on page one for whatever it is you're talking about. Um, big sites with domain authorities in the 70s and 80s or maybe 60s. Um, it shows Google that like you're doing your research and you're putting a lot of quality into this article. So you can quote them or maybe take a stat or like cite a study that, that they talked about in their post and then just link back to where you got the post. So another, so that's just another thing that Google likes to see. All right, round in the bend, guys. Element number 10, a Pinterest image. Every single blog post you write needs to have a dedicated Pinterest image. If you go on Pinterest for two seconds, you'll see what I mean. It needs to be vertical at a two to three ratio. So popular sizes are 785 by 1102 or just 1000 by 1500. Any two to three ratio will work, but they should not be square. They should not be horizontal. The image needs to be very easy to read. Um, you will have some kind of title on it. It does not necessarily need to be the exact title of your blog post. And you should think about that because the title of your blog post, you're thinking about Google SEO, which is what you should be thinking about. Um, but on Pinterest, you're thinking about getting people to click that link to go to your website. So the title has to be like enticing that people will want to click on it and go to your site. So think about the title. Don't just automatically copy paste the same one that, that you use for your blog post. And um, I will link a resource, a Pinterest course that talks about this in depth and taught me a lot. Um, I will link to that in the show notes at beccaklein.co slash 003. You also want to leave a lot of white space. Um, and by white space, I don't mean it's literally white, but I mean space around the edges. It drives me crazy when I see pins or Instagram images or anything else where the text goes up to like the absolute end of the, of the page. It doesn't look professional. Professional designers use white space. So don't take up every single inch of the image. Now, there are two schools of thought on whether or not your pin should be branded, meaning that it uses your brand colors and brand fonts every time and maybe even that you only use a few a few different layouts. Some people think yes, because you most of the time you do want things to be branded. And um, theoretically, if you only have two or three or four layouts that you always, always use with the same colors, the same fonts, eventually when people are scrolling, they'll get to know that it's your content. And if you have good content, that's going to be a link that they want to put, click on. Some people say on Pinterest, it doesn't matter. Like you want to get people to click. So it doesn't matter if your brand colors are pink. If blue looks better on this pin, use blue because it'll get people to click. So I don't really know, to be honest. I have experimented with both. For the past few months, I've been doing unbranded images. Just recently, I started doing branding images. I Branded images. I made four layouts that I use for every blog post with the same fonts and the same colors as my brand. I just started doing this a couple weeks ago, so too soon to tell, but I will update you if I have found a magical way to get traffic again from Pinterest. You also want to make sure that the photos on your pin are really high quality, so nothing fuzzy or, you know, just make sure it looks good. So where should you put the Pinterest image? This is another thing where there are schools of thought. Some people put it towards the top of the blog post. 
which is what I did for a long time, I now put it at the very bottom of my blog post because it's such a big image. I think that it annoys people when they have to scroll through it. Um, so, you know, different schools of thoughts. That's what I do. Um, and I put a title over it in big letters that says like pin this or share, share this on Pinterest or something like that to encourage people to share. All right. Number 11. We're almost done. You need a conclusion with a strong call to action. So a call to action is telling people to do something. So for example, you could say, leave me a comment and tell me X, Y, Z. DM me on Instagram and tell me X, Y, Z. If you enjoyed this blog post, you'll also love my freebie all about XYZ. Sign up for it at this link. Stuff like that. Um, not everyone is going to, to take you up on it, of course, but some people will. So decide what your most valuable CTA is for that blog post and put it in, in the conclusion. And last but not least, 12. And number 12, last but not least, related posts. So there are two ways to do this. One, you can use a plugin that will automatically put a carousel of related posts at the very bottom of your blog post. There are a bunch of different plugins that do this. I'll link to a few of them in the show notes. I use the one that comes with the Cadence bundle because I use Cadence on my website. Um, I absolutely love it and highly recommend it for many reasons. Maybe we'll do another episode about Cadence. Um, that's, but yeah, that's one I use, but there are others as well and there are definitely other free ones. So I'll link to those in the show notes at beccaklein.co slash 003. If you don't want to use a plugin, or you could do both, which is what I do, you could do what I just described a few minutes ago. I put a heading that says, here's more posts about fill-in-the-blank topic that, that you'll like, something like that. And then I list four to six bullet points with different blog posts on my site, and I, I link to them. Now, the one thing is, it's important not to use the exact post title when you're doing this, because Google thinks that's spammy. So just paraphrase the title, make it a different title, but where it's still clear what the post is about and link to it that way. All right, we got through all 12. So that is it for this episode. I hope it was really helpful. And remember, I designed a free blog post checklist that covers all the stuff we just talked about. So you can get that for free in the show notes at beccaklein.co slash 003. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye guys.